I closed my door. Oh. Alright. Well, we can cut the audio, so it's kind of whatever. <clears throat> oh, did you already start? Yeah, but we can trim it, so oh. that's fine. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Alright, uh, so let's Late get into it. Late as always. <laughs> so hello everyone and welcome to the first edition of the magic and madness podcast i am one of your Extremely hosts scuffed edition. oh yeah super scuffed <laughs> i'm your host uh, kyle henrickson joined by my co-host my lovely co-host scott alter <laughs> hi <laughs> and so today we're gonna just kind of walk through our goals of the podcast talk a little bit about pioneer a little bit about companion and then uh maybe some modern if we get to it and then whatever else comes to mind perfect <laughs> okay so uh main goal of this podcast is just pure entertainment we kind of want to provide something that's not doesn't take itself too seriously we're not going to really be pouring over too many competitive decks hopefully we're gonna try more brews have a little fun um i expect our moto leagues to mainly go three two uh and two three <laughs> not really looking for four ones and five o's here so yeah um it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm pretty excited uh <laughs> i want to do a lot of like uh nonsense like we talked about wine wasted winners as a series that could be fun uh drink and draft is one of my favorites uh there's a pattern here um <laughs> <laughs> uh also i think it'd be fun to explore the fundamentals and like build decks that are like just super skewed and wild to kind of explore the way those things work yeah so uh that segue is great into our next point is kind of a little bit of a background on who we are so I've been playing off and on since Scars of Mirrodin. I have top forward one GP. Uh, it was a Pioneer one right before the pandemic, so it was super long ago. Um, in general, I would define myself as a little bit better than an FNM hero. I can day two most <laughs> of my tournaments that I play in, but uh, I don't also I don't like putting too much uh, time into the game because I'm very very lazy. Uh, I love playing Battlecruiser Magic locally and very linear decks at bigger tournaments. Uh, just again, uh, <laughs> because of laziness. We could uh, we could talk a lot about why that's a good strategy as well. Um, oh, maybe sure. That's a topic for a later day. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we could maybe get into that uh, how to beat local tournaments, but <laughs> yeah, why don't you I give mean, a little here's, bit? Here's the brief summary. The brief summary is um, people are really bad at playing mid range, and <laughs> no, if you no, play no, 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 no. People are bad at fundamentals. <laughs> Oh, and magic. <laughs> yes. Sorry, sorry. I was I was trying to be nice here. No, because um, we're all. But if bad. you just play mid range deck, then play tight magic, focus on value, preserve your life total. Right. So the general idea is, um, given if you consider yourself better mm -hmm. to be the than the average magic player in your local tournament scene, you want to give both you and your opponent the maximum amount of decisions possible <laughs> so they have more room for errors as the game goes longer and then you can hopefully right. capitalize on those yeah and then conversely if you're playing in like a big tournament where you put yourself at like average or below average um just picking a deck that does a thing and does that thing well and makes your opponent have it and just like if both players pay, play perfect you've got like a 53 percent win rate or whatever that's probably best if you're in a field uh where you're not ahead right right and so when i went to scg dallas uh scg con dallas for instance i ended up playing uh hammer time 
very linear. Uh, I, I get it. It's a very, uh, it is a very complicated deck and one that's hard to play tight, but there are free games, right? Sometimes my opponent died on turn two and that just makes magic easy, right? Uh, plus having time for bathroom breaks is always nice. I never, I don't want to be going to time and have that pressure every round. <laughs> oh, we're just going on such a huge tangent here. We could talk about mental energy at big tournaments. Could... <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Oh, so back all right, to, all right. <laughs> all right, Scott, why don't you kind of introduce yourself? Okay. So I'm Scott. Um, I've been playing magic since Avacyn restored and then kitchen table magic as a kid. Um, I really like combo and heavily synergistic decks um, and tempo. I've been to three pro tours. Um, my best finish at one was nine seven, so not the worst. I'm better at limited than constructed, and I find a way to turn every deck into a combo deck. That's something I've noticed recently in my exploration of Pioneer. Like <laughs> I start with this mid range shell, and I'm like, this is going to be pretty sweet. And I'm like, but what if we had a combo? Yeah, it's and, it's really crazy because yeah. every time we talk about decks, you want to make it slower, and then you're like, but now I want a combo finish, and then you're like, what if we cut the good cards? All rares mythics get out of my deck. <laughs> I want uncommons that have synergy effects with other uncommons. Well, you have to see how far you can push the combo <laughs> itself first, right? If you can make the combo super consistent and it's just faster than everything else and it's resilient, then you've got the best deck. Uh, that's uh, that's a scam. No, me <laughs> me playing three mana mythics. <laughs> Let's say two for one on them. <laughs> Cole against command is not a mythic. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, that's uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a fictional anyway, mythic. Anyway. All right, uh, so let's <laughs> let's go ahead and get started on our first like scheduled topic for the day and kind of talk about pioneers. So Scott, you've been you've been brewing a lot. You've been mixing it oh, up on Magic God, Online. Let me get that open in the background so I can kind of thumb through some ideas really quick. But uh, as I get that up, um, my general take on Pioneer so far is that it's just very, very far from being figured out. Um, you've got the mono green decks and the Minota deck and the um, random blue Ledger Shredder decks. Ledger Shredder is insane, by the way, in case you didn't already know that. Um, but there's a lot of really broken stuff that people are not exploring. And I find that really interesting. I think the, the Grease Fang decks are probably the best decks right now. Mono Green deck is definitely pretty good. Um, and my client is not the right size for this monitor. And it's been weird. <laughs> cool. Just so you guys Thank know, you. Scott is trying to open up Magic Online in the background to be able to look right. at all of his various creations. And, I can show you all these awful decks I've been building. And You'll one that I added recently. See. Oh right, the good one. Yeah, we could we could talk about the good one too. Right. Yeah, so sure. while while you bring up all your homebrews, I'll kind of talk. So I saw a five O list that was blue green Eldrazi, right? And so eight mana dorks. You just try to ramp into uh, thought not seers and um, re reality smashers, also with uh, four mana Vivian, the one that gives your creatures uh, counters and trample. And I was I've like, wow, up. this deck is great. Um, we, But then thinking about it a little bit uh, and talking it over with Scott, Scott was like, why play blue? Because the blue was mainly for uh, for spike for non-creature spells. Uh, Stubborn Denial. Stubborn Denial. Which yep. obviously isn't um, 
impactful in every matchup. And so <laughs> the thought is, hey, Stubborn Denial, bad magic card, Thoughtseize, best magic card in Pioneer, so <laughs> let's just make the swap. True. And so I was just running the league actually a couple hours ago, um, and it feels very good. Um, our sideboard needs some work. I got annihilated by spirits. It was uh, not fun. I didn't feel like I had much agency. Um, we had this conversation about how uh, Assassin's Trophy is really great in the format and it's basically always a stone rain like nobody plays basics which is true by the way play assassin's trophies or play basics get ahead of the curve but um we threw four assassin's trophies into the sideboard of this thing which i have up on the other screen if you want to switch over cal and um then we played against mono blue <laughs> and they have a lot of islands and they do a lot of stuff with their extra mana so that was that was a pretty pretty funny thing right so um, let me let me make this a little bit bigger i'll kind of move around all this stream don't forget elements. this is magic and madness scuffed edition <laughs> yeah. yeah don't worry this youtube video gonna be dank anyways um we've totally used obs before <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh also a big upgrade in this version is um the the blue one was playing ipnu rival <laughs> which is Turns like out that... mill four but uh the ifnir deadlands have been insane I've killed a creature, I think, every match so far. Um, I played against Prowess and uh, stripped their hand with a bunch of discard spells and Thought Not Seers and then just started killing creatures. Um, yeah, so far it's felt pretty good. I think the sideboard that we have right now is pretty scuffed. I haven't really liked the Vivian package. I've been okay with Vivian just having the plus ability and the minus three, the fight ability. Mm -hmm. That's honestly been good enough. Um, yeah, none of these things are high enough impact. Like, if if we wanted to play some Eldrazi on the sideboard or something, that'd be interesting. It would make Vivian better, but it'd make the deck worse. So, play right. the fifth Smasher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We need Fatal Pushes in here somewhere for sure. And yeah, this package is just really underwhelming and doesn't matter much. I think the, the Rex Age and the Skews probably belong. Um, maybe the Bearer. But like these other things, Carnage Tyrant's this uncounterable thing, and you're like, yay, I have resolved my Planeswalker, and now I get to tutor for my, oh, wait a second. I guess they didn't have a counterspell. Or we snuck in our 4-drop, which, honestly, if you've done that, then Vivian's just going to be enough to win the game anyway, I think, the vast majority of the time. Just like turning your Llanowar Elves into 3-3s against a control deck is very good. Right. Um, yeah, uh, so we should we should definitely give credit where due. Uh, this was not originally our deck list, right? So we we just put in the thought seizes and everything else is the version that it was available in the five O's. Um, yeah, the primal yeah, mites have been on it also very good on the play. I was skeptical. They're so good. <laughs> right on the play, uh, Scott has seen me multiple times play turn one dork, turn two kill their dork, and that's yeah. that's just good clean magic. <laughs> There was even one against the mono blue deck. You were like, turn one elf, turn two thought seize, they counterspelled, and then you're like, primal might your one drop. And it's like, oh, right. So <laughs> All right. So this is this is a great deck. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it sees more play in the future. Uh, moving on to the not good decks. <laughs> uh, okay. Actually, let's start with another good deck. Um, I think it's this one. Yeah, it's this one. So. Uh, I made a Reddit post about this, uh, so you can check out a bunch of details there if you want. Um, and it's based around, I mean, obviously there's the Greasefang Parhelion combo, but that's not really the thing that I think makes this deck stand out. Like there already are Esper Greasefang decks, right? That's not new. Right. Um, but 
what is different is the inclusion of the package with otherworldly gaze and the delve spells and the otherworldly gaze uh alongside uh the consider and all that enables this combo better and it helps us find our removal spells better it lets us just play the game according to the particular matchup right so if we are in a matchup where we want to see a lot of thought seizes, we can see a lot of thought seizes. If we're in a matchup where we really don't want to, but we want a lot of pushes, we can see a lot of those. Uh, we also have a little more upside with like binning a can't stay away and uh, getting back a grease fang, or like the the nut draw exists of turn one, otherworldly gaze a grease fang and a parhelion, and then turn two can't stay away. But that's obviously pretty silly and not worth playing more of these. Um, and then we've got this Ledger Shredder here, and the Ledger Shredder is another thing that really benefits from the inclusion of Otherworldly Gaze. We're just like always able to double spell. Like for the entire game, we can cast as many spells as we have mana for, basically. Um, and running out's not really much of a thing. Right. So uh, I think that matters a lot. Um, anyway, uh, for our audio listeners only, I don't. This might oh, be a little right. scuffed. <laughs> so that's uh, true. The, the list is 16 ones, four consider, four gaze, four thoughtsies, four fatal push. Um, I think uh, 12 twos, which is two can't stay away, three tainted indulgence, uh, three Jace Friends Prodigy, and four ledger shredders. Uh, then we have four grease fang, four of part helion, and then four delve spells, which is one treasure cruise, three dig, and then just 20 lands. So pretty, pretty low to about... the ground. Sorry. Oh, Let's yeah. talk about the three three digs and one treasure cruise thing, uh, oh, which sure. is something that I think a lot more people should be doing. Um, dig is generally better in this format, I think, because this format tends to be a lot about having the right things at the right times. There's a lot of combo decks. There's a lot of uh, decks with things that are hard to interact with with the removal we have available. So, for example, Fatal Push, right, doesn't hit a lot of things. It doesn't always hit Winota. Um, it's not good against Mono Green after a certain point in the game, and so on. So, like, Dig's really good, but sometimes you do want the raw card advantage, and your Dig finding a treasure cruise actually is really, really big game. If you're in a resource-intensive matchup or a mirror match or something like that, it can be really nice to be able to do that that makes um, sense a 2-2 two, two split might be right but i like 3-1 uh, yeah i hadn't really thought about it i just figured you were testing it out and probably going to go for zero but actually now that you've <laughs> explained that logic uh i kind of like the 3-1 and the i think the big argument for having it the other way would be when we're going on the sideboard plan with the monastery mentors uh, because we have mentors in the sideboard uh then all of a sudden treasure cruise gets really nice right where we're not right. just double spelling and instead we want to triple or quad spell in a turn, um, then all of a sudden Treasure Cruise becomes better. That's definitely true. I think that having the otherworldly gazes uh, and the Jaces and all that does uh, keep us able to continually cast a bunch of spells. Um, right, I just, wanna, plan, though. I just want to have four one mana things though, sometimes. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, that definitely can matter. Um, so... The best thing about this deck and this build of the deck is the fact that we have the ability to pivot onto Monastery Mentor after board. We can cut the entire combo if we want, or we can hedge. We can cut like a couple Grease Fangs and a couple Perihelions or whatever, whatever mix you feel is best for the matchup. And yeah, bring in your interaction. Or you can cut it completely. And if you cut it completely, what winds up happening is your opponent brings in their Graveyard Hate. They bring in their, what's it called? Weathered something stone, the two mana. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can't be targeted. Craft Cage for two that does something else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm unfamiliar one. with the card, actually. 
Yeah, I've played okay. a, I've played um, a lot of Pioneer, by the way, just for everyone out there. I, I have, I have no excuse. Yeah. Um, but you wind up in this position where you like thought seize and often duress uh, their hand and really take it apart and like have your mystical disputes if they're good in the matchup or your void rends if they're good or your additional removal spells or just whatever mid-range cards are good, right? And then they have these hate cards that just don't do anything. And then we are still like a four delve spell deck, right? We are still uh, Ledger Shreddering and Jace Fringe Prodigying. Like this one, obviously you can trim those if they have like rest in pieces or whatever. Um, same with the other worldly gazes. But the idea is we get to keep the opponent guessing. They have to decide whether they want to be set up to beat the combo or set up to beat the mentor or whether they're set up to beat both. And with these card selection we have between Otherworldly Gaze, Ledger Shredder, and Consider uh, and Dig Through Time, we can really choose to build our game plan around what our opponent is doing, especially if we've been able to resolve a thought user duress. So it just puts the opponent in this impossible position. And it's a lot like Splinter Twin in that way, um, where we have this combo that can just basically kill them. If you're not familiar with the combo, this thing, uh, it attacks for 13 and leaves two 4-4 angels behind the turn you go off. Uh, Grease Fang gets it back. So you can do it as early as turn three. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, anyway, Splinter Twin, Splinter Twin, Splinter Twin thing. Right, right. They have to, right. they have to like figure out how they're going to board against a deck that's both a control deck and a combo deck. And if they play things that are bad against control to beat your combo, then you kind of like have them where you want them, so to speak. Right, right. And that that's also very big game, and also where a lot of Magic players fall short is in how they sideboard. Right, a lot of people. Uh, don't really think about how their opponent is sideboarding, and they'll just be like, oh, this card, uh, they're very binary, right? This card good or this card bad, right? And it's just like, bring in good, take out bad, <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah. But really, sideboarding should Ooh, be can about we, Can we hate on sideboard guides? Can we just say sideboard guides are awful and you should never have them, and then just, like, everybody hates us for saying that? <sighs> so, so here's the thing. I think, I think with some decks, sideboard guides are okay, just okay. right. Um, sure, that's fair. That's fair. There's there's certain very linear strategies uh, that it's just like it it is binary. Uh, an example of that in my head would be rhinos, right? When you're just playing the four X everything rhino uh, team or rhino list in modern, and your sideboard is four 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 three, I think sideboard guides are fine for that deck. Uh, where I sure. disagree with that deck, especially is something like uh, blue red, uh, the Merktide deck. I think like that mm -hmm. deck benefits a lot from understanding what your opponent is sideboarding in. Um, for just for an easy example, uh, let's say you're uh, playing against blue-white control. Some blue-white control lists have uh, Chalice of the Void, and some don't. And that's a big changer in if you want the card Engineered Explosives. Uh, and then if they also have a card like Rest in Peace, Engineered Explosives gets very good very quickly. Having outs to um, two cards that you really can't interact with outside of that one card uh, is big game. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else about this one? We just want to move on. Uh, I think I think this deck overall very good right now. Um, definitely try it out. Play it if you can. Uh, it's a ton of fun uh, from what I've seen. So I I haven't personally played the deck. Uh, I've watched Scott play a lot of Pioneer. <laughs> My first Pioneer uh, experience since uh, Grand Prix Phoenix, which uh, was the one I top forward back in 2019, is 
playing Moto <laughs> three hours ago, playing the Atrocity deck. So, and I've just I've just been in a brew hole. I've been doing all kinds of nonsense. I don't know if uh, anyone watching this has already been looking over here at these lists, but ooh, right, there's some uh, there's some really awful stuff in there. <laughs> right, right, and in general, uh, I feel this is kind of how our magic relationship is. Um, I take a look at five O lists that I think are quite interesting and i'm like i want to battle this list and that's where i start and scott starts with an idea <laughs> and then i see how far down the rabbit hole I the idea <laughs> uh devolves um oh yeah, absolutely no no evolves evolves uh devolves <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a circle it's a circle yeah it's, hard. It, it's, it's it's a circle but he never like fully completes it and like makes it back to like the good part <laughs> we end somewhere over here lost in la la land a lot of the time I, I have a long history of coming up with things that are very close to like a breakout deck at the pro tour except that my version just is shit like it's built around the same engine i've recognized that this engine is great but like i just made terrible choices with like some weird magic cards or whatever <laughs> right a great example of this is scott and i spent probably 20 hours brewing this arkham's astrolabe paradoxical outcome deck for modern um and then people people came out with the and urza in the deck and then people came out with the deck and they were just like oh yeah just play oko and play three colors and play the best <laughs> card in magic at the time and meanwhile scott and was like commands and stuff and i'm like how can i drive my whole deck on turn three yeah scott was casting <laughs> cast Oko. inspiring sanctuary <laughs> I think is that card. Uh, uh, inspiring Vantage? No, no. No, the, the right. three yeah. mana, makes... all your... No, I, I wasn't playing that with Urza, but I was playing Pentad Prism. Oh, right. Pentad Prism plus Urza is gas. <laughs> <laughs> and you could of... take away the G if you wanted and add an S, and you'd probably still be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott, like, Scott has an over-obsession with the card Pentad Prism, I think. Uh, he has, he has shown me... Speaking of cards that I'm obsessed with... He has shown me so many <laughs> Pentad Prism uh, paradoxical outcome piles over the past six years, and I don't think I'll ever escape. <laughs> so true, anyways, true. back to Until you. Until they, they keep making things that are better than Pentad Prism, then you'll be able to escape. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> so, hot take. Otherworldly Gaze is the faceless looting of Pioneer. Um, I don't know why more people aren't playing it. I, I see it as being just as good as faceless looting in a lot of spots and it's really good at enabling other kinds of things what's really powerful about it is if you're a graveyard based deck that has other kinds of looting going on uh be it ledger shredder tainted indulgence or whatever else uh once you've hit your first gaze you never have to really cast the second one from your hand you just have it to flash back so you can guarantee that you're able to continue to progress through your deck and find the things you need for your game plan and if you have a deck that's built more around having the right pieces as opposed to having a large quantity of pieces uh you get to this position where traditional mid-range decks can be really frustrated because you're just like all right i'm hellbent in my upkeep flashback gaze here's the card i need combo off um and it's really nice uh the other right. card in here i want to talk about a little more is jace friend's prodigy i think a lot of people <laughs> thought this card was going to be nuts in this format and i think that the same thing's happening in this format that happened in standard with it where people are playing it in the wrong kinds of decks um jace is not a good card if it is the only card in your deck that dies to a lightning bolt okay wait uh, shock whatever <laughs> fatal push it is right. if it's your only creature it is not a good magic card unless you're doing something like should i put it here is it this one you can tell I'm prepared. Um, unless you're doing something more like this, uh, 
So I have the gaze Jace package here. This is actually the first place I tried it. Um, I've got digs on top. I've got four marches. It's just like a blue-white control list. Um, this deck has a lot of problems. Uh, has a lot of reasonable things going for it, too. If you're curious and want to try it, maybe there's something there. I kind of have given up on it at this point. But um, this right. deck is using Ojitai's command to reanimate the Jace at instant speed at the end of their turn while like also countering their thing or whatever so you can slip the jace past the removal and it's good in that spot and this is what like just guy black did in standard they also had other things that were lightning rods for jace right um so generally speaking just like throwing jace into a deck not great playing him in a deck that's built for him i think can be very good um you might recall back in standard there was the uh, return no rally the ancestors something somewhat like this this is a newer version that i've been working on um where you've got your jvps uh but you have a ton of creatures they need to hit they need to hit your death rights they need to hit your zula ports um they need to try to get your aristocrats if they can you have cocos to get the jason at instant speed again you've got your rallies to bring it back right so all this stuff to make it a better magic card and in a deck like this is where jace really shrunk shines and i do think he has the potential to be one of the most powerful things in the format right so for our audio listeners <laughs> just, a, just a quick uh oh yeah thank quick you, thank you. a quick run back um so the first list scott showed was uh this blue white control deck that he sent to me at 2 a.m and said he broke the format and then i saw him play it and it looked miserable against mono green so um, but essentially, he, he trimmed a little bit uh, kind of, of the extra cards uh, and managed to put in three Jace uh, Vrins Prodigy and then a couple of Ojitai's commands. And then also the otherworldly gaze. So he trimmed like from some lands, uh, no Narsets, trimmed from the Wandering Emperors, um, and I think trimmed the uh, removal spells that the deck plays. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm I... not. I'm not sure what the standard sixty blue white control deck looks like. I've actually been looking at the lists, and I I like the eighty card list a lot more. Um. So, but whatever. Uh. And then the second list he showed was basically all creatures with four rally, four cocos for rally the ancestors. But it's um some citrus suppliers, some deathrite shamans, Zulaport cutthroat, elvish visionary, Sator wayfinder, cartel aristocrat, Jace friends prodigy, a new spicy card called extraction specialist. Um, I actually showed this card to Scott from I think it was a modern list or a legacy list, and I think maybe that's what inspired this idea. I, I read the card the first time and I misread it because it's too good. Right. So the so this I, card is three mana, lifelink three two. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature card with CMC two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and then that creature can't attack or block for as long as you control extraction specialist. So as long as you control it, that creature can't attack or block. However, you still get the all the enter the battlefield triggers, all the death triggers, all the activated ab abilities of the trigger. So like bringing back Elvish Visionaries that draw a card, bringing back Jace, you can still flip it and make a Planeswalker. Um, bringing back Deathrite Shaman is obviously gas. <laughs> so I've been trying so hard to make this card good. Right. Um, this card being Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> yeah, Deathrite Shaman. Um, I have one deck where it performs really, really well. It's okay in this one. Also, by the way, you might notice this is 63 cards. I made some modifications to it. I don't remember what they were. It's like very much up in the air. If you're going to mess with this, like mess with it. 
like i'm not confident in these numbers (laughs) right and Um, my suggestion would be probably skip Uh, that's that's probably reasonable. I think there are a lot better things to be doing. Um, I really have been trying to figure out something based around these cards. Uh, Collected uh, Coco, Company, Jason Rally. Yeah. Um, because that was an insane deck in Standard, and we have a lot of new tools. Um, but it still has a lot of problems in the format, and a lot of the other combo decks are just faster. You wind up in this situation where it's like the mid-range decks can't really grind you out, but the reality of the format is that everybody's a combo deck right <laughs> pretty much like like you have winota you have the mono green deck that's basically a combo deck you have hidden um, strings hidden um, strings which is an actual combo deck you have phoenix now temporal trespasses in copies of <laughs> iteration like everyone's a combo deck even so, i i count burn as a combo deck so the mono red deck's a combo sure. deck in my mind um yeah no i i agree with that and well, it's just like you go ahead this is and this is then why Thoughtseize is the best card in the format because it answers everything <laughs> yep um just like in standard uh, it was the best card in i've the got format. one more really spicy list i do want to share but before oh, we okay. do that let's talk about uh some of the other stuff that we we're going to talk about i just want to talk about pioneer as a whole um i think there really only are a few different things you can be doing that are reasonable and i think those things are um playing eight elves obviously great there are tons of decks doing it it's like one of the most powerful things you can possibly do in the format uh the second thing playing black for thought season fatal push the best interaction in the format very very powerful uh even without revolt for fatal push is generally correct because there's eight mana dork decks and like eight prowess dude decks right so the fatal pushes are nuts thought season is nuts um if you're going to be, you can also be blue and play Ledger Shredder, which is an insane magic card. And some of your Delve stuff, you can play like, you know, your uh, Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise and all that. Um, and then I think the last thing that you can reasonably do is uh, Grease Fang Combo. Um, I think that's about it. I'm going to minimize this and look back at the thing that we wrote, uh, oh, sure. which means you can now see it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of this. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, also, graveyards. <laughs> graveyards are something that I think are very heavily underutilized. Um, and everyone has these graveyard hate cards that are like Graveyard Trespasser and uh, stuff like that. I think we should see more unlicensed hearse. I think that card's really good. Um, and I think that the graveyard-based deck should go a lot deeper. And there's a lot of really crazy stuff you could be doing. Like, we have prized amalgam, among other things. That the spicy list I want to show has something to do with that. But um, I really want to try a collected company deck with eight elves. The best mana base for that is Soltai because you have two fast lands that are green. And a lot of the format, like so many formats, is defined by the mana that's available. And if you're trying to force something to work and the mana is just not there to support it, then it's not going to, right? Uh, generally, for like mana dorks, you want to have like 13 turn one green sources. And that's really hard to do without taking like infinite damage from mana confluences and a bunch of shock lands and stuff, unless you're playing two on color fast lands or you're playing a two color deck. So, Soltai Coco is something that seems interesting. It might have some legs. So, that's exciting. Uh, oh, yeah. Legislature is broken. I already said that, right? Right, Ledger you Shredder's started that really out. Very I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say that again. Uh, Ledger <laughs> Shredder's really broken. Right, really cool. 
I, I've been kind of messing around with it actually in modern. Um, I haven't been messing with it too much in pioneer because again, I just haven't played the format, um, where I'm seeing it in modern. Um, that's really nice is, uh, I'm, I cut the white from Esper reanimator and I'm just playing blue black reanimator. And now with tainted indulgence, um, which is the draw to discard one and ledger shredder, it turns out you have more uh turn three persists you also don't have to play the card unmarked grave all of a sudden which is so nice like not having that, that uh <laughs> one for zero <laughs> right like i and you just it's a blue black control shell for counterspell for archmage's charms um i again i took a 5-0 list it didn't have any ledger shredders and i was like this deck is bad we can fix it <laughs> he, i mean he had a card like there was one Shark Typhoon uh, in Blue Black Reanimator, one Spicy. Memory Deluge, one Jace, and, a, and one Unmarked Grave. And I'm like, all right, cut the Unmarked Grave, um, cut the Shark Typhoon. Uh, <laughs> those two are immediately Ledger Shredders, and then let's think about the rest. <laughs> sure, yeah. I think um, that deck also does something very similar to what the Reanimator deck with Greasefang does, where... You're a very good mid-range deck. You're not putting yourself down on cards, but you still have a relatively fast combo. And being able to do both of those things is very hard to deal with. Like if you're just a fast combo deck, like uh, the modern Neoform into the well, Neoform into Grizzlebrand are your deck or whatever, right? Like sure, you can sometimes kill on turn two, but if they cast Thoughtseize or Counterspell, you lose. The Nourishing like... Shoal deck. About... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the Neoform deck in Pioneer too, right? The one that delves That's and true. then plays Velamachus. <laughs> That's true. And there's also one that, uh, there's one in Historic and stuff. Yeah, weird. Anyway, um, opening yourself up for two-for-ones for your combo decks these days tends to be not good because the interaction is very good. And if you get two-for-one as you're trying to set up, you can just get buried and just sit there and do nothing. So things like playing Tainted Indulgence instead of Unmarked Grave, playing Ledger Shredder as a way to free loot stuff into the bin, like being able to stay neutral or in some cases even positive on cards while you're pursuing a combo is really, really powerful. Right, right. And it, it's kind of funny because if you think about like magic history, right, I think you would define the Rhino deck as almost a combo deck, the team of Rhino deck in modern, but uh, right. now it's just like, that's your that's your mid-range aggro deck, your aggro deck in that format. I don't know. That modern is like in a weird spot. If the Rhino's killed in one attack, people would call it a combo deck. Oh, sure. But like living <laughs> in that, as a combo deck <laughs> that doesn't kill in one attack a lot. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But what I, exactly is combo? All right, well, that's a very different question. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, you have, like, OTK combo. I, I don't know, because, I mean, it's kind of... It's, it's such a weird definition of combo. Do you, do you want to dive yeah. into this, or do you want to keep going with what we were going to talk about? <laughs> I want to um, I want to show one more deck list and then uh, let you okay. go off about how oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And <laughs> then then I can rant for a bit. You can <laughs> yeah, have Scott. I've, been, I've been occupying a lot of space. Uh, but um, this fine. I mean, so let me <laughs> let me kind of bring this back up. All right, uh, this is not the one I was going for, but this is something I was working on that looks really fun. Uh, Dusk Dawn and Return to the Ranks alongside like doing crazy graveyard stuff. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scott just trying for. to play Return to the Ranks in some garbage junk shell. Oh, 
There was even one where I brought back my old favorite Black Cat. Did you know that I played the Magic card Black Cat in my standard deck at my first ever Pro Tour? <laughs> for for those of you who don't under know what Black Cat is, it is one black and a colorless, 1-1. One, one. Uh, when this creature dies, I believe, it's a die trigger, right? Yep. Okay. When this creature dies, your opponent discards a card at random. And Scott I was, was like bringing them back with Return to the Ranks. I'm gonna and play this at the them over and over to Cartel Aristocrats, sacking them in people's draw steps. <laughs> I believe that was the pro tour where your opponents were casting Emmercruel the Promised End, right? No, it was not. That oh, was, okay. That was no. That was a different I, one. I lost because the deck was too hard to play and I was too bad at it. I actually could have won most of the matches that I lost if I didn't play badly. Uh the mana also <laughs> sucked though. It was a mana confluence herborg deck just like this. Like it was oh, just you know, it's a bit of a a bit monster. of a green um and thus the madness anyway, part of this podcast for? yeah yeah he's the magic i'm the madness um <laughs> yes scott, <laughs> scott has this habit of brewing decks that are almost impossible to play um the the fondest memory i have is uh this was the time when i wasn't playing much magic and scott handed me a deck and he's like hey play this deck for standard at like some random i think it was fnm right and i was like all right this seems fine it was like a Gitrog monster <laughs> land magnetic insight deck. Um, and it was turn seven i had 10 cards left in my library and i realized i couldn't kill my opponent because of something i had done on turn two and there was no way for me to win the game and i was like huh this is this is kind of interesting <laughs> so that that would give you a good feel for scott's deck building <laughs> Is you really so have to play of... perfect to get every percentage point, but then his deck also isn't like maintaining a huge edge. It just gives you a lot of versatility. Right. It, it's the kind of thing where like my decks tend to put all the onus on you to not make mistakes. It's usually very obvious for the opponent what they need to do to stop you, and very not obvious for you, the player of one of the decks that I've made, to like figure out what you should do um and then most games do end I, I think i think honestly what i like is when a game ends and i'm like i could have won that if i did this differently i want the deck to be able to do that um right. and i think if you build in enough versatility and such it's like usually possible to do something of the sort but so it's just not just a masochist really viable right. yeah like, <laughs> something want, like that i want to be punished for all of my mistakes and so speaking of wild decks that do nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I've got a I've got a self-mill deck here that I'm really excited about. And I'm not totally sure if it has the legs I think it has, but it's close. So we've got 16 cards that fill the yard. Um, most important is if you hit an otherworldly gaze and you keep hitting otherworldly gazes and stuff, you can like continue to put these things back on top and continue to work through your deck. So we don't have an actual factual dredger, which would let us literally just keep going through the deck forever. But we do have access to a package that lets us go pretty deep and like not really run out of gas. Um, right. So got these death for, rights. I, just, oh, yeah. just for ahead. audio listeners, yeah. I'm not going to explain this pile. <laughs> Please just go watch the YouTube link. Uh, <laughs> This that's reasonable. Uh, this this deck is um, self mill, cast a big emerge idiot flashback. My Kozilek's return to rat the board. Oh, it, that's not the end of it though. Right, right, um, right. But that's like how how you interact <laughs> where you're starts. not dead. 
And then obviously <laughs> how you win from that point is kind of arbitrary. <laughs> almost. Oh, there's there's actually a combo kill at the top. But, uh, um, combo. All right, so <laughs> wait wait till I get to the. It doesn't always twenty it. them. Okay. So we've so got our three death rate shamans because I couldn't find room for the fourth, and this is the best death rate shaman deck I've built so far. Um, and it's not even a four of death rate shaman deck. It's not even a four of. Doesn't right? that mean uh, that death rate's a... a bad card in the format? At least right now, we haven't figured it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't 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 tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we've got our Creeping Shills and Prized Amalgams and Haunted Dead Stitchwing Scab. Um, the deck really revolves around Haunted Wing and Stitchwing Stitch Scab. Obviously, Haunted Dead's the better one. Stitchwing's just so that we have enough of them. Um, so we go fill up our graveyard. Um, we get some free Lightning Helixes along the way. Somewhere around turn four or turn five, we bring back a Haunted Dead and whatever prized amalgams we have. And what's really interesting is a lot of times in this deck, you actually want to do this in the opponent's end step. And you don't want those amalgams to come back on your turn. Because then you go to your turn, you sack the Haunted Dead to either a Wretched Griff or a Descended Mindbender. Griffs are here because they're cheaper. And it lets you turn four uh, on your main phase, Haunted Dead, Wretched Griff. Uh, you trigger your Causal Extra turn that wipes the board, and then you go to your end step and you bring back your prized amalgams that you triggered like on the previous end step when you brought back your haunted deads. So you can totally wipe the board and then have just a bunch of power. Um, what's really fun though, is when you get a little bit later in the game and you use like a wretched griff, sacking a thing, triggering a Coslex return, wipe a bunch of stuff, including your own Stitcher suppliers and Seder Wayfinders, uh, and a bunch of creatures die. And as a result, this Diagraph Rebirth becomes very cheap, costs just a green and a black. And then you flash it back on your Lotless Troll, Lotless Giant, which then domes them for the number of creatures in your graveyard. Uh, with the Creeping Chills along the way, and uh, maybe you got some other damage in, but really just the Creeping Chills and our 26 creatures in the deck, that's usually going to finish the game. Um, Obvious problems with the deck, Graveyard Hate. <laughs> graveyard Hate's really good. Um, we right. do have and uh, Thought Seizes and Assassin's Trophies. Yeah, I, I think the fundamental issue is like the Graveyard decks are already uh, good in Pioneer, right? And so everyone mm -hmm. it has to come somewhat prepared for Arclight Phoenix, for Grease Fang, right? And <laughs> this this deck isn't faster than those decks, right? Um, uh, well, okay. okay. I, I generally agree. Um, it's not faster than those decks, and um, yeah. it doesn't. It's prior. It doesn't have a secondary. It doesn't have like a backup plan. Its primary plan is it, um, and it's not like it's not like modern or like modern dredge. It always is the cycle of like people trimming on graveyard hate, and then the deck being very good for uh, a couple weeks, and then just getting smacked down again. Um, granted, that's kind of shifted to in modern, where graveyards have just become more important in the past three years, I think, in magic design. And so I, I think just people are more prepared in general. But also the dredge deck just got a lot better in modern over the past couple of years. So I generally agree, but I have a couple counterpoints. All right. um, first counterpoint, just bringing back prized amalgams with Haunted Dead can kill people. Uh like they they just die it happens a lot um which is really funny uh other thing wretched griff distant mind bender especially mind bender this card's very good like you evoke this thing you strip two things from their hands or emerge sorry strip two <laughs> things from their hands and have a five five uh you can you can just kill them with this right and that happens relatively often uh it's possible there should be more than two in the deck 
Uh, at first, I was playing Elder Deep Fiend, and I was doing the Elder Deep Fiend tap down chain thing until you win the game. But uh, the mana doesn't work well enough, unfortunately. Double blue is just too much. Uh, if you can figure it out, it'd probably be a little better. Um, the other thing is that the graveyard hate people are currently playing in Pioneer tends to be like exile one thing on a turn or whatever, like graveyard trespasser um, and stuff like that. The best one's hearse, and hearse is definitely very good against this deck. Uh, but a lot of the other things people are doing to just like hit a couple things here and there to target Greasefang or target uh, Arclight Phoenix are not going to be fast enough to stop this deck. They're not going to be able to remove enough things at once to stop this deck. Um, are we sure obviously about that? <laughs> yes, I'm sure about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if they cast the magic card, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> then we got issues. It's it's, it's rough. Uh, that's that's why we've got three trophies and four thought seizes, but that's still rough, right? Um, this deck probably sucks. Like, don't don't get me wrong. This deck probably sucks. But there are really powerful things to be doing with the graveyard and with otherworldly gaze that people aren't doing, and I think they can be good and then will get hated out but people are not playing the correct hate and people are not building the graveyard decks that they need to um this this one probably very possible to do much better than this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i would agree i i think this one's cute i think this one's like this one, definitely yeah, this one's cute. definitely like if i had all the cards i'd probably build it just for fun to bring to like a local oh, yeah. pioneer tournament and just Absolutely. troll other people uh because the the being able to make the statement flashback my diagraph rebirth get lotleth giant uh tenue is just like too much value <laughs> to pass up at any local tournament um, right. But, yeah. yeah. So play this at F and M. Yeah, we we are uh, the decks that Scott brews are definitely very fun F and M decks. <laughs> a lot of the time. I also will say that if there is something truly busted in the format, trying shit like this is how you find it. Um, Ninety-eight right, percent of the time, people with work crash. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Fair. <laughs> Me. <laughs> five -0. Only play 5-0 lists. <laughs> Scott. I was like, last night you said that this thing was the best deck in the format. Uh, do you still feel that way? And I'm like, nah, it's this other deck now. And he's like, cool, let me know when you really find the best deck. And I'm like, all right, we'll do. <laughs> right. Scott sends me a, a different deck, uh, sometimes multiple decks a day, when he's like in these uh, brew, brew, brew sessions. How, how do... That's not like degenerate enough to what I would call it, because like brew sessions is giving uh, a lot of credit. I mean, this I man like in the brew hole. This man is lost in the sauce all day, every lost day. Lost and always lost in the sauce. Right, man has never not been drowning in sauce for a single moment in his magic career. <laughs> I, and he, he does that a lot too with his deck choices. He's like, how can I place? How can I make an argument for me to be able to play Storm at X tournament? is a very oh, yeah. real conversation that we have every time we go to like a gp level tournament uh, but he's also a point in our interactions where like i i admit that you're correct that it's not the right choice and then i play it anyway right, right. <laughs> or or somehow i i convinced him to play a good deck i think last time uh this happened I just handed him a deck. I handed him uh, Saga Jun or Jun Saga, Ooh, and I think he fun. won the yeah. tournament. 
yeah, I won the tournament. I didn't drop a match. It was like, wow, this deck just is really good. Right, and then he would come up to me all excited <laughs> in between rounds and be like, Scott, the deck was, I mean, Kyle, the deck was great. You get to do all these interesting things and like develop a game plan. And he's... <laughs> I haven't played it since. <laughs> right, and he's never played a mid-range deck since. Actually, we, we also convinced him to play blue-red at... Uh, at um channel fireballs vegas tournament in 2020 um or 2021 wow um, me being lost too that that one didn't go so right well. that, that did not go well <laughs> but <laughs> but whatever i i played only tell the good stories kyle what <laughs> i said only tell the good stories but obviously i'm kidding oh that yeah, yeah. Well, then you went undefeated <laughs> in the limited por portion you went like nine oh day that's one. true yeah and then i did the that's wheels true. came off day two which also was the same for me i played four color rhinos day one uh went eight one and then o2 started day two and tilt dropped because <laughs> i was mad at myself <laughs> for making all these misplays and i wanted to go gamble <laughs> a true <laughs> magic degen all right perfect perfect uh so now uh, i've been ranting for a little bit but i actually i specifically on our notes for what we wanted to cover today i wanted to rant about why pioneer doesn't matter <laughs> because watsi sells us these stories and you know creates these new formats for us and then they're like try to force us to play this garbage new format that they've made it happened pre-pandemic and then as soon as they make a new magic event it comes out again but then everyone gets so excited about it and like doubles all the pioneer prices because they're like i want to play pioneer now and like everyone's playing bad decks and they're spending so much money on these bad decks when the format's like <laughs> very unsolved and won't be solved until Later on, when we have these professional level events, your local qualifiers for these regionals are going to be awful, right? People are just going to be playing piles. Just <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So this is really funny because that's why I'm loving Pioneer so much. I feel like I can pursue like any archetype I want and tune it really well and like do reasonably because the decks just aren't that good yet. And that's I think that's fun. But that's uh... not, I mean, <laughs> but that's not like playing good <laughs> magic, right? That's just like. <laughs> That's just you're you're. How am I going to say this? You're lying to yourself by saying that oh I can have fun in this format when it's really not fun because it will be solved right? It's just like modern. It will be solved. That there will be like very good decks and very clear winners. And you're you're fooling yourselves. Everyone is. They're like oh this this format's so much fun. It's different. It's quirky. It's new. And it's just like garbage still it's just slightly better standard and everyone's lying to themselves <laughs> that's that's a hot take kyle and i'm gonna go ahead and say that i probably disagree with you no um, magic sucks i hate magic <laughs> i've always hated magic i never show up to a tournament expecting a good time this is this is how you can tell that he actually plays magic right if he was someone who was like faking it or whatever he'd be like i love the game <laughs> god uh, this brings uh, up the point where I'm like, uh, maybe I'm supposed to just like go play Commander to like have fun with the game. And it's like this is this is a real thought I have. Like those players, I see them at my local game store. I see these people. They have smiles. Me, not smiling <laughs> ever. My opponents aren't smiling either when I win. And I taught the. I think the issue. Uh, all right, maybe I'm the problem. 
because I'm, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that. But. Right, because I, I'm usually not having fun, and then I think I drag my opponent down to my level, especially especially because uh. I'm winning, but I'm not having fun winning. And I let my opponent know I'm not having fun when I'm beating them. And I, I think I think that's... Okay. Interesting. This, this could be a moment so... of growth. <laughs> This is uh, Magic and Madness, the therapy session. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I also have a very funny story about a local tournament I played over the weekend. All right, Ooh, all right. So this is introduction to the most scuffed judge call I've ever had. Um, so I'm playing blue red against rhinos. We're like deep in game one. He cascades for the third time. Uh, we have uh, we counterspelled one cascader. Uh, I arc. I was playing blue red Merktide. I counterspelled one uh, of the rhinos. I arc mages charmed to steal a rhino and blocked. And so this would be the third rhino, uh, cascade spell that was cascading. So he's flipping over the cards, and all of a sudden he flips over a force of vigor. Right? Okay. <laughs> so this obviously not being in his sixty card deck. Um, <laughs> so we call the judge over, and we're like, hey, what's the fix? He's like, oh, well, we'll just reset the deck in its original format, and then uh, we'll just uh, recascade. Shuffle the pile up, uh, recascade, right? Um, but he had already cascaded once, so we had to remove six cards from the bottom. So we had to keep those separate. That went to a separate pile. He went and grabbed the deck list and brought it over and was starting to do it. And he was, and we've there was also a Prismari command in the deck that needed to get removed. And then, um, <laughs> and then uh, there was a subtlety in his hand that didn't get to remove. Uh, so that had to go right. Um, and I didn't really think of this through fully until like later on, um, but. I think obviously the subtlety isn't in his main deck, right? Subtlety main isn't widely played. And I think he knew because he was very quick to just wanting to concede, which is obviously not the fix. He doesn't need to concede in that moment, right? We can just replace the cards and recascade. Um, but then, so, <laughs> so we have this weird moment where he hands his hand then over to the judge as well. His hand had two cards. One of them was a subtlety. Um, in this confusion, with the six cards, with the hand, with the cascade, uh, <laughs> and with the sideboarding, because this is awkward now, because one of these random cards in a sideboard should be in his hand, right? But his hand gets shuffled in, or all the cards from his board that were sideboarded out got shuffled in. So we have six cards on the bottom, he has no hand, and we shuffled the deck. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have to recascade. Uh... So... <laughs> Uh, he asks me, uh, and so then he, then we're like trying to figure it out, and uh, then the judge is just like, okay, so he draws two cards at random, and I'm like, oh my gosh, because obviously one of these cards, oh, uh, is it's it's turn six in the game. One of these cards has been dead in his hand the whole game, uh, one of which being subtlety, but the other one also, right? It's so it's kind of like a faithless looting effect because the subtlety wasn't good either in this spot. And so yeah. it's just like, what a, what That's a nightmare, right? Plus he had boarded out one of the Rhino cards. He actually didn't have a cascade to hit here because of how he like sideboarded, I think. Oh my gosh. So it was just like, oh, what a mess. so it was like this big nightmare. So anyways, he just drew two cards and we just, 
left the six on bottom, and I I ended up losing that game because uh, he cascaded, um, and then one of one of that those two plus the next draw steps was the fourth cascader, and I couldn't beat that because I didn't have enough resources. <laughs> so uh, it was just like the most scuffed uh, judge call, and it took like ten <laughs> minutes, and uh, every. Uh, my opponent was lost. The judge was lost. I was somewhat in it, but it wasn't like it was also awkward because, like, I shouldn't really be involved too much in this process, right? Because it's all with my opponent and sure. the judge. So, and this is at a like a tournament where there's no head judge or anything, right? That just is the judge. Right, right. There is one judge, yeah. and it's just like this is this is one of those moments where like if you're playing a grand prix or something, you appeal for sure. <laughs> right, but right. like, oh well. <laughs> I was just like, whatever, what a nightmare. And then the so, only way it could have been better would be if the two cards he drew were the two rhinos, and then he had nothing to cascade. Into. Oh yeah, that, that'd be nice. <laughs> oh man. So then, so then I had to try to not tilt out of my mind because this is was winning in for top eight, and so I was like trying to prevent my mind from going on tilt after being down game one and like re watching this happen. So, so that was, that was the struggle bus. <laughs> this really good. Yeah. So fun, fun story. All right, um, sure. back to regular magic conversations and not my local misery. Um, companion, I think, I think we need to make this a segment in the future, and it's called Salty Sailors. That was the Salty Sailors session. <laughs> right, yeah, but, at uh, the at the at the end of the podcast, a little thing where it's like Salty Sailors, and both just like say something that made us really fucking angry or whatever. I mean, I I, I wasn't really angry at a certain point. Uh, okay, I was just tilted, upset. Yeah, I whatever. was just like, exasperated at the situation because it had just gone so fucked. And like, I don't yeah. know if I'm just supposed to say no. I don't want him to draw two cards because like is that an option for me like i don't know because it, i mean but it's not necessarily my opponent's fault because the judge was shuffling the deck at one point and so that it got like uh, it just became such a nightmare so anyways um <laughs> so recently a lot of people have been um we had the lure span right but a lot of people have just in general been complaining about companion they're like uh I hate Yorion, I hate Lurus, I hate Kahira. Um, my my argument is I thought all of them were fine, honestly. All of them were fine. Um, I think I think actually Yorion leads to a bigger problem just uh, just from a gameplay perspective. Uh, in my mind, Yorion feels very similar to Sensei's Divining Top, uh, where the reason for them banning Sensei's Divining Top in Legacy was it led to too many draws, right? It took too much game time to do that action. Um, by, uh, the follow-up argument is actually that deck was way too good. Um, not really. It wasn't really a top <laughs> issue. I mean, um, obviously top Sensei's Divining yeah. Top has issues as well, but like also the deck was way too good. Um, but I think the Yorion piles in Modern just... you you take too long to shuffle in paper. Um, but then it's like this weird thing, right? Where all of a sudden online, it's not an issue, but in paper it is. Um, so then it's, it's kind of like, different. Yep. then it's kind of like this alchemy argument thing, right? Where it's, it's like- totally different metagames. Right, right. And modern in general has always, I mean, online modern in general, online meta has always in general been a lot different than paper meta because these decks are expensive, um, but online, I think once you make that transition, you're like willing to put in 
more money, more effort, also with the renting services, you have access to exactly what you want to play a lot more. Whereas in paper, you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot more constrictions, right? Also in paper, you have this effect where people are like, oh, I'll just add a bigger tournament. Oh, I'll just borrow a friend's deck. I haven't played in two years, but it's fun, right? And they just play the main, they just play this big 30K event because whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> but people sure. don't just sign up for whatever for like modern challenges online or challenges online, right? Right. And so you wind up being able to build like mid-range decks that target the things that people are doing. You can be confident that most of your matchups will be from a subset of things. Um, that really changes things a lot. I also think that um, one of my biggest problems with Yorion is that specifically in modern, playing 80 decks, or 80 decks, <laughs> 80 cards uh, with fetchlands and triomes means that you can play a deck that is four or five colors uh, and be very, very consistent because your fetches can get you whatever you need. You're not likely to have these hands that are flooded on triumphs or flooded on the wrong shock lands. You're likely to have like very fetch heavy hands to get the pieces you need. Um, so I, I feel like if we didn't have Yorion, uh, Omnath and the like four and five color control decks would be somewhat worse. They'd probably still be very good, especially just because Omnath pitches to all the elementals. But um, Right. The fact that the mana gets so good, and then you're searching for a one of, you're searching for your one of triome in an eighty card deck, and it just takes forever. Oh, uh, can we can we also talk about like I hate how people shuffle Yorion piles where they take like three fourths of the pile and shuffle it, and then like and then like mix it up and shuffle it again, and like leave this section <laughs> this cordoned off like section of their deck that they aren't shuffling because they just. If you're going to play Yorion, all 80 cards need to be in your hand, and you need to shuffle three <laughs> times. That's that's my that's my requirement. But then interesting. They... <laughs> I, my my opinion is that people can do whatever they want with their shuffling, and if I don't like it, I'll just shuffle it before I hand it back to them. But I don't want to shuffle it because I'm lazy. <laughs> I just want to cut it in half. I sure. I go to GPs, and you ain't ever seen me shuffle their deck. Unless they're doing some <laughs> real sketch shit, I do not care. Even if I'm like somewhat hesitant, I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't care enough to pick this up. Well, this opens the door to like a lot of really uh, hot button issues we could talk about, like mana weaving. Oh, sure. Well, like, I I, we, we, let's not go down that rabbit hole. I mean, I, I just watch my opponent <laughs> shuffle, and as long as nothing seems too sketchy, I don't care that much. Um, sure, yeah. Also, and then I think it it's weird, though. Because all of a sudden, like, um, when I do that to my opponents, when I just cut instead of, like, shuffling, I find that my opponents uh, look to start picking up, and then they they just cut in, like, reciprocation. Or, like, it's like a reciprocating mm. trust thing. But then that's almost dangerous, right? Because if I was a scumbag, right. and I was like, I'm going to stack my deck in Mana Weave, then all of a sudden, you know, I, it's higher percentage that they aren't going to pick up my deck and shuffle it. So, obviously, I encourage everyone to shuffle your opponent's deck at any point like i'm just too lazy and i don't care <laughs> like it's whatever <laughs> if you if you cheat me you got me like i'm willing to run that risk that like one percent risk like fuck it <laughs> yeah i also think um the further up you go in competitive magic the less cheating there generally is which is really a weird phenomenon um obviously there's still some uh some cheaters that do very well uh <laughs> what, we, what we about, could we could mention them and get into it but what, like, what about the fine. what about the soft cheats and by that i mean uh, the soft cheats uh the opportunistic cheats 
oh well there's always that but like that's there's that's that. like this nightmare um uh, just always call a judge. I by soft cheats. I meant like people who are taking Adderall at tournaments. So this has always been an interesting thing. <laughs> okay. Because Promise this is something that talk. All right. All right. right? I, I don't think anyone's really talked about this, but it's Welcome kind of fun to my too. head talk. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um. <laughs> so uh, this is this has always been something interesting to me. Is um I've always. Uh, I've like had acquaintances who have offered me these at like bigger tournaments, and I've always just kind of wondered how widespread you think the issue is. For me, I'm I've been very uh, uh, some would say boring or very straight laced in my life, and so I've never really like interacted too much with anything. I don't even like taking medicine for colds just because I'm like, ah, eh, my body will take care of it, and I'm just willing to int. But um. Uh, what would what would you say like percentage wise like day two of a tournament right how how much do you think this is like a widespread problem what percentage of people are on some performance enhancing drug are we are we including coffee <laughs> i mean i'm on coffee all day every day so i don't know oh, okay We're stronger I, than coffee right so i guess like, things, things stronger than coffee um five six sure. percent yeah okay not it's not much every now and then you see someone that's just like they're like trembling and they're pale uh but that's just me in general because i just like have shaky hands oh. and then i don't eat uh turnips. no if if you if you if you saw what i'm thinking of you would oh okay okay it, it, was, it was very obvious uh, this is a particular instance oh okay okay <laughs> i'm not I, gonna okay yeah. fair enough i also felt like i got um i was in day two of uh kind of kind of related tangentially to this i i've been i've been out zoomered recently so i i've always thought of myself as younger in the magic community um and maybe that's not the case anymore um but i was playing against uh, some teenager and he was just so fast and i was like he was talking so fast and my weary boomer brain couldn't keep up with it and i just got out zoomed i was like oh my gosh i can't keep up with this kid ram he's like talking so fast and i'm like take a breather slow down my child let me let me listen yeah let me you've got a you've got a you know pace of conversation and pace of play is a really interesting thing you have to know what works for you and then you have to do that no matter what, and you can't let your opponent's pace influence yours. Um, there are also some players that do intentionally increase their pace when they can to make it more difficult for their opponents. I don't know if that's ever worth it. I'm skeptical that it is. Um, so, so um, I mean, we we've kind of talked about this off on our side before but kind of kind of give an example of like what you kind of mean just for people so they kind of understand can understand a little more um someone who's like you know they're metaphorically on the edge of their seat they're ready to like play the thing, thing super fast they've got their turn figured out and they're like do this do this do this talk really fast your turn like uh do this do this do this do this and like if you're sitting there not making a play they're kind of like Oh, they they look at you. I've I've never noticed yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. There's there's some players who do that who like try to get into your head that way. So and, I've, I I um, almost never yeah. look at my opponent's face when I'm playing. I think that's generally good. I get so... I, I make eye contact while shuffling. Oh, <laughs> I don't even I like do. that. I want like normal <laughs> interaction. My my favorite is like 
you sit down. Neither you nor your opponent has said any word of greeting. You both shuffle up. You present. Your first r words out of it is high roll, and it's like yeah. And then you, <sighs> and then you don't even announce it. And then you're like keep. And that's peak magic. Me and my so opponent, so we can we can tie this back to our therapy session that we had. No 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I we don't need to talk about why I hate magic and why I hate magic players, including me, but. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh, man. But, yeah, it's just like... that. That's the, that's the type of magic I like, you know? Just good, clean focus on the game. I don't care about the pleasantry piece or the social piece. I just don't want to play on Moto because my opponents can miss triggers in paper. <laughs> Dude, Moto is... So boring. I like having conversations with my opponents, talking about random shit. Um, oh, that's true. Well, you're gaining I, an edge yeah. that way. Am I? Yeah. Uh, if you if you would consider yourself as ha having um, better mental acuity than your opponent, then distracting them by having random conversations is actually very relevant, right? If you're, I don't, if you're... I don't want to distract my opponent with random conversation. I want to like have conversation in dead space while we're like fetching right, but or something. All I'm thinking about during those times <laughs> is the match, right? I'm thinking about how I sideboarded, how they sideboarded, what hands I want to keep, what hands I don't want to keep. And if if we're having a random conversation, that's taking away time that I could think about the game, right? So if you think of yourself as like having your game plan down, then I would say that having co casual conversation with your opponent is actually improving uh, percentage. Okay. Um, interesting. I'll have to think about that some more. But what do you think about it ethically? Ethically, whatever, right? It's like, it's their opinion. They could just ignore you. Nothing says you have to be a reasonable human being to or well, you have to be a reasonable you human being to be a good to sportsman. But you don't have to be nice, right? You don't have to ha exchange pleasantries. You can just be mute and just say one word answers while thinking. That's true. That's true. You can be short and uh, just think. Or you can tell them honestly and just say, hey, I want to think about the game. Um, I'd appreciate it if we just didn't talk uh, during the downtime. Like you can be sure. nice about it. I've never encountered that before. <laughs> oh, I've definitely... I mean, I guess I've never had to say it. My opponent's never, like, interacted with me on that level. But it's almost like this weird pressure. So, like, let's say you win game one, right? I feel, in general, uh, people are more willing to talk when they're up a game, right? Because the other person's more focused on, like, the actual game and, like, coming back. Sometimes. Sometimes they don't care, right? But in general, I okay. feel like uh, when you're down a game, you tend to focus more, right? It's like that extra edge. You're like, oh, you're like lasered in. <laughs> but then when you're up a game, then you have, uh, you're more relaxed, right? You get, you have a little bit more breathing room. And so you kind of like are in, you know, a more relaxed state of mind. You're more willing to talk, shoot the shit with your opponent. And that's always been an interesting dynamic to me. I, I think that that's... Um... I was going to say specific to you, but probably not just you. There probably are plenty of people who share that same opinion. Uh, I do not uh, experience focus the same way in a magic match. For me, when I start to lose focus, uh, it's not because I'm like getting ahead and I'm feeling comfortable, or complacent, or whatever. Uh, it's because I'm bored. Mm. 
and uh, keeping up conversation uh, helps me focus more. If the conversation is gone, then I'm like looking for some stimulus to occupy my brain. This is ADHD me speaking, you know. Oh, sure, so, sure, sure. Yeah, so I think that everyone this has different experiences with how they focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I usually is, have to uh, focus really enough because I, I've, um, because of how little magic I play, I usually have to figure out matchups in my head during sideboarding. Like every, I've sure. never thought about the matchup in my life. <laughs> And because I play a new deck every week, and so then in my head I'm like, okay, what's my game plan? What cards matter? <laughs> I have to like <laughs> use use all two brain cells to figure out what's important in the match, uh, so I can focus. It's definitely valuable. It's it's a it's good to play a variety of decks. Right. Uh, there there are people that specialize too, though. And if you specialize and know what you're good at, like I'm trying I'm trying to move more towards specializing in combo, but. I don't know. I'm just too whimsical. I just see see a card and I'm like, that looks fun. Well, you say <laughs> you want to specialize more in combo, but all you like over half the time you're playing combo. So I don't well, even over half over half. Yeah, but that's not all the time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good percentage. <laughs> that's that's greater than fifty. Well, whatever. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty high frequency. I think you could argue that you're specializing when you're 50 percent plus on any archetype but maybe maybe but that's we've, unfair we've got to go full like uh separation of labor like all out you know only combo right because <laughs> well, maybe that's unfair because i feel um at least for me personally i've always just played a wide variety and maybe people more stick to strategies more than i think um i also have uh how would i say like the I've had the financial means to be able to play a wide variety of decks and paper, right? And not punish me. I know for some people they're like, I only have X amount of dollars for magic, right? And I will only play this one deck because this is what I can afford. And I like this, right? And then sure they update it with the new cards, but they, they don't really, they aren't willing to, you know, buy a whole new deck, right? Whereas a sure. degenerate like me, who just like tries to collect four of everything that in modern and now in pioneer, probably not in pioneer. I don't think. I've been working my pioneer mana base. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I have. Oh my gosh! Don't remind me. <laughs> Big shocks are so expensive right all now. All the prices it's went up. Disaster. This, this is so much. All right. This is actually why I went on that rant earlier is it's all very oh. selfish this this affects me i have to spend more money and i'd like you all to apologize <laughs> for that. and I'd, I'd really appreciate your condolences on my wallet being hurt negatively by this he doesn't he doesn't need your condolences everyone it's okay I, no i i i do trust me give mark me. it big down <laughs> not don't talk about that. Ah! <laughs> that's a whole other podcast (laughs) talking about we so we've been just kind of rambling for about 30 minutes here (laughs) right right i i mean we're an hour and 15 ish in i I think we can probably how much of this actually gets in i don't know probably not much of this i think everything except because like the ramblings i Again, this podcast is entertainment focused, Scott. Yes. And I think I think some rambling is good, but rambling can be distracting. Right. It needs to be not all rambling. There well, was we, there was a long segment of rambling near the end there. Well we but we talked about companion a little bit. 
We did. A yeah. Little bit. yeah. All right. Fine. 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 All right. Um. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. You're the editor. You're in charge. I ain't editing shit. <laughs> I'm just gonna okay. post it right. as is. <laughs> wow. No, just kidding. Monster. I'll probably change a little bit. Um. Any modern decks you're kind of excited about? Anything else magic related? Past couple of weeks. Um, interesting. I'm excited to see what what Ledger Shredder does for modern. Um. Right. It seems obviously nuts. that card. Uh, is very I... exciting. Um, the uh, Triumphs opened up some new mana bases that were previously yep. not as explorable. Um, mm -hmm. I might try to build some bad Wilderness Reclamation deck, but... Um, Sounds fun. I mean, you have Bant Triumph now instead of Rug Triumph. And sure. Now you can just like cast your Solitudes. Right, and you can be, you can be a four-color... Uh, version of that deck can be fine right remember because we were, we were talking actually even before the new triumphs remember when i was saying what if i cast uh the four mana spell uh search your deck for uh instant or creature with flash what what's that yeah uh mystical teachings yeah mystical teachings for my solitude with wilderness wreck <laughs> now yeah, with band triumph obviously that gets like more exciting way um, more doable yeah other than that i think I, oh, kind of like... Tameshi. Oh, gotta yeah. talk about Tameshi. I was I um, was gonna break my ban on no combo for Tameshi. I was looking at the list again, and I'm like, all right, I should probably play this at least once. I haven't looked at the most recent lists. I have the list I was gonna take to Dallas before. Oh my god, uh, before I booked a flight for the wrong day and <laughs> I wasn't able to go. Well, so... I worked on it really hard too. <laughs> yeah, and he sent me on a Here, on a I, for, for my... hit list. <laughs> for my own uh for my own sanity i need to show this list and talk about it even though right. i don't know i haven't seen the recent ones and the recent ones are probably better right i i saw the most recent list so i can probably talk about it uh i'll put it up on the screen um and then let cool. me this is what i was going to take to dallas right let me let me kind of talk through the differences uh for uh just listeners uh compared to the current list um, so a little bit different. He's only playing one Ottawara, the most recent list, uh, that, uh, made top eight of the challenge at two. Um, he also made room for an Aboro palace in the clouds, um, made room for two cycle lands, a blue, white and a blue and a white green, and also two, uh, Selesnia sanctuaries, which is the green, white bounce land. Um, other differences include, um, no bird of paradise. Uh, he has four Arboreal Grazers, uh, one Seal of Removal, um, he only has one Omnath, and I think other than that, we're pretty... I have three Tameshi. Were they on, are they still on four? We're pretty close. Oh yeah, they're definitely on four with that card. Um, yeah, there probably should be four. Let me, let me um, see, I can, I can find the list. But other than that, so kind of talk through some of those that I mentioned, why you like them, why you hate yeah. them. So rationale on Oboro over Odawara uh, is just a way to draw cards with Tameshi every turn, right? You just pick it up. Um, so that's really nice, especially in the face of Graveyard Hate or something like that when you're like trying to dig to your Elodomri's call and you just like can't actually activate Tameshi to do anything because you don't have any way to do that, right? Because everything's in exile. Um, that's the Oboro. 
the Celestia Sanctuaries, I like quite a lot. I chose them because I want to play four Arboreal Grazers. I don't want to play any like random Bird of Paradise that can get Lightning Bolted. It's like the only thing in the deck that, I mean, you can bolt to Meshi, but it gets value on the way out usually. Um, so in order to enable having four Grazers, you need to either up the land count or do something like that. So I functionally up the land count by playing the two Sanctuaries. Uh, it does mean that when you uh Tameshi and you bring back lotus bloom if you have a sanctuary in play that is one last time you get to bring it back but honestly bringing back lotus bloom with Tameshi creates so much mana that i've never had it hurt me uh that could just be because i haven't happened to encounter it but it's felt really good so far uh cycle lands i found the triomes were very 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 good um as just things to allow us to keep the momentum going and grindy matchups uh, especially with the addition of the sanctuaries, picking up the bounce lands, or sorry, the cycle lands and the triomes is really nice. Uh, I was playing more triomes, but these ones cycle for two. Uh, while you're comboing off, you can also find the room to cycle them, so you can go off from tighter spots, which is kind of nice. Um, only one Omnath, just because I want everything else. I would play as many Omnath as I had room for. Um, the sealer rem removal and the utopia sprawl. The utopia sprawl is just one more ramp effect. Uh, turn two to fairy is really one of the best things this deck does. Um, the sealer removal is nice because uh, we can use it to either protect Tameshi or to bounce something every turn with Tameshi um, or to like reset a skyclave or whatever. It's just a very versatile card. Um, and we can always Wargate for it. It gets us out of tight spots as well. If we're playing against blue-red, having a main deck way to deal with a Merktide region is pretty nice. And yeah, once you have it on loop with Tameshi, it's really nuts. That also becomes a big part of the sideboard plan. Um, we bring in Burnton Forge tenders, tenders and Tormod's Crypt against uh, blue-red. And we control their graveyard, and we seal their removal of their Merktides. And uh, we keep their Delirium off and all that fun stuff. Uh, I guess now they have... Ledger Shredder, so the plan might not work as well. I guess Seal's still pretty good there. Um, right. Um, that's also one it. one big difference is the most recent uh, top eight of the challenge played for Explore. Mm -hmm. Oh, for Explore, cool. I started on Explore and ultimately cut him for Grazers because um, Explore doesn't make you go off any faster. It's good when you're comboing, um, but it, does, it doesn't right? actually accelerate your draws. Well, because you can play Tameshi and activate it immediately. Right, but what are you activating it on? Oh. When did, you, when did you put your Lotus Bloom in the graveyard, <laughs> right? Or when, it hasn't come off Suspend yet, and you didn't have any way to put it in your graveyard because you cast Explore on turn two. Right, so you're you're trying to more maximize the turn two to fairies. Um, interesting to note, right. they played four Explore and two Arboreal Grazers. I dig it. Um, I, I like that. I could see cutting the Utopia Sprawl for an Explorer too, but I do think Grazer's better. Um, Explorer is better if you're worried about not having enough lands because it does at least cycle. Uh, I think the Sanctuaries are the solution to that. Okay. Um, they also uh, had they had 23 lands plus three Turn Timber Symbiosis. Ooh, Turn Timber's fun. Right. It it's turn, especially turn fun. Timber seems like it should be in the deck, yeah. Since you have Celestia oh. Sanctuary. And that's why they're playing Explore over Grazer, because right. you can't put Turn Timber in with Grazer, but you can with Explore. Right. Okay. Maybe that's worth it. I hadn't really experimented with Turn Timber. But um, long story short, this deck is the real thing. Uh, respect it. Get to know how it works. 
uh, play it if you like combo. All right, cool. Um, honestly, I I think that's where we'll end for today. Um, thanks yeah, for good. I have to thanks go for do tuning a hot in. Tub night. You have to go what? <laughs> do a hot tub night. Hot tub and spirited away. Pog. Whack. I am going to play video games. Anyways. Oh, that's way too easy. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, and see you next time. Bye bye.